Hello and welcome to Bandcast Movie Trash. I'm DB, and with me, as always, is Aaron. Bing bong bang bong bing. And Jared. What's up? And we are continuing with our Space Jam double feature. I thought you were going to call it Cyberpunk DP. Is this one qualify as Cyberpunk, though? Well, I mean, nah. Uh, dude, it's French. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that. Last time we watched Total Recall from 1990, and this time we are reviewing 1995's Fifth element this movie is directed by luke besson he's a french director known for leon the professional la femme nikita and more recently lucy it stars bruce willis gary oldman ian holm mila jovovich and chris tucker this movie cost 93 million dollars it made only 63 million in the u.s jared but i I was one of those people who saw it yeah (laughs) You should have gone twice. You saw it in the theaters. Yeah. The last time oh, I saw this movie was when it came out. I was seven. Oh, and God. I saw it during a school night. I don't appreciate oh, that. I don't appreciate scandalous. two of these things that Jared is uh, saying right now. One, dating me. Don't appreciate that. I was 15, so he was half my age. Yeah, that was rude. Uh, the other thing that I don't really appreciate is, Jared, you sound really enthusiastic about this movie. Dude, I remember I saw this movie. I was like so into it. And then I saw it again. And then I was like, oh, man, there's slapstick in it. Yeah. That slapstick element is going to be one of the things that uh, we'll dig into. It's going to be one of the reasons why, quite frankly, your enthusiasm for this movie has me questioning your dedication to Bandcast, because uh, I don't know if you really (laughs) represent what Bandcast represents by uh, loving this movie. I I think it's right in the line with it. What are your overall feelings about this movie, having seen it for the first time along with me? Okay, well, we'll start with that... I started it yesterday. I finished it today. Not a good sign. I took an intermission, if you will, Uh halfway through. The second act was better than the first. Really? Okay. So I'm not in any rush to rewatch it, but I don't hate it with the same amount of passion that you do. Well, uh, hate it. Oh, okay. I did text you guys that, uh, Jared, you and I are going to disagree over this piece of shit movie. I'm not. See, the problem is the thing that actually makes me more furious is the fact that it's not a piece of shit movie because it looks beautiful. It's, it's, Dude, it's incredibly well shot. It has great special effects throughout it. It has an like awesome it. performance by Gary Oldman, who's like the standout to me. <laughs> Bruce Willis is good too, Aaron. Don't don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not gonna. This is not Bruce Willis's fault by any. We got we got things to talk about with Bruce. Okay, all right, <laughs> dude. I, don't you like him when he has hair? He has hair in this one. Oh, he does have. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he looks a little bit like a sick boy from Train Spotting. A little bit with that that hair, the receding hairline. Mm. So, Aaron, you're close enough to him that you can be critical in some respects. It sounds like. Yeah, there's critiquing. So this movie looks beautiful, and it's fucking wasted on this stupid story with stupid slapstick i hated it so hey that's that's interpretation yo man you know you gotta have aliens in the end of the world that's what it is that's yeah uh, well we can get into a larger debate about interpretation it's not you like gary oldman's cartoony it's great yeah he's good his outfits his outfits are great they really popped he actively hates this movie 
<laughs> so there, there you go. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Gary Oldman hates this movie. He did it as a favor to the director, Luke Besson, uh, who partly financed Gary Oldman's movie, Nil by Mouth, in 1997. Uh, yeah, Gary Oldman says he can't bear to watch it. And I totally understand. <laughs> we'll get to some of the scenes that uh, really turned me against this film. So I did mention that it made only $63 million in the U.S., but cumulative worldwide, it's made $264 million. Shit. So international hit it is an international <laughs> hit it definitely made for the international audience before that was really in vogue uh at the time just like with total recall we said it was the most second most expensive movie ever made this movie at the time was the most expensive movie ever produced outside of hollywood so this was a foreign foreign endeavor okay a lot of wasted money could have gone to something better I didn't appreciate the way Bruce was dressed like he was going to have a slutty weekend at the Jersey Shore. Was it like an orange tank top? Yeah, it was like orange tank top. It was not okay for Bruce Willis to be wearing. I can tell you that much. That's the most flamboyant outfit I've ever seen wear. Yeah. Oh. It, it is flashy. This movie is colorful. It looks really good. He matches Mila Jokovich. I know. It matches uh, Mila's hair. I'll let you know that it wasn't the color that soured me. Wait, yeah, were there some weird patterns I'm recalling now? It it was like cutouts in the back. It looked like a woman's shirt when she's, maybe she's going to the club in that little number. And and any any questions we have about the uh, wardrobe, the answer is because it's the future. It's the future, and it's made by French people. So there's a little techno influence. Well, I don't like where we're headed. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Jared, your your, uh, defense of this is that uh, it's French, and I don't get it. But um, (laughs) Yeah, you don't get it. it, After you said that and I reflected on it, I'm like, well, it kind of makes sense, I guess, uh, because the slapstick elements are what really turned me against this movie. The, uh, The part where the priest faints when he sees Mila Jovovich. Uh, that is where I turned against this movie and said, I, I, I hate this movie. Fuck this movie. Like, you're going to really do that? Because there's a lot of cool scenes. There's kind of a cool mood established at the beginning. I liked the beginning uh, in Egypt, personally. The arrival yeah. of the spaceship was great because it was quiet. I love that. Luke Perry. I was thrilled. He's like third build or something on the Amazon on the Amazon page. And I'm like, okay, he's out of the movie in the first five minutes. And all he does is get scared and try to sketch one of the aliens. Dude, and they're like lives. robot aliens. They looked awesome. I did like the robot aliens. I liked them. And then, you know, they're, they're setting it up. The priest with the, I don't know what religion, they don't really describe it. But, hey, that doesn't matter. The, the priest is like, all right, I got to train another priest 300 years later in the future. And then we're in, like, neo-New York. I didn't even follow that because, I mean, at a certain point, this plot, I just kind of gave up. I'm like, whatever. It's just going to do what it's going to do. I thought they were going to allow, in this futuristic world, like, the lifespan went for 300 years. And that when we first saw that priest, I was wondering, oh, is this supposed to be Luke Perry 300 years down the road now? Oh, you think Ian Holm and Luke Perry share share a, a likeness? Fuck no. Okay. <laughs> well, and well I they think might they now. probably would have just done <laughs> they would have just done Luke Perry a little weathered looking. Well, how is he going to live 300 years? Come on now. I don't know what well, the, how, what am I saying? What are these fucking things that <laughs> yeah. came busting through the wall? <laughs> 
I could stretch my imagination that in time we could live beyond. I mean, 300 years is a lot, but they got cool necks. So only lived to 30. I don't know why I'm so put out by this suggestion. I mean, otherwise, because it would just totally detract from the realism of this movie if you had a 300 year old person. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. It was pretty. It was like contagion. I felt like it was mirroring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's uh, going on in my own life? Anthony Fauci called this the most realistic depiction of the future uh, that he's seen on film. This is Damn. what COVID has done to people. <laughs> yes. That's the future. This is what it is. We're worried. We're wondering what is it? What are there going to be the long term effects? All those things, the Mayang, is that what they were called? Yeah. They look like Bebop and Rocksteady. Oh, yeah. The alien creatures. No, they're called yeah. something else, but. Uh, Malongs. Marsh. Uh, yeah, who the fuck knows? Gorgs or whatever. And who knows? And really, who cares? I don't have a beef with those things. I thought they looked really cool. No, I'm saying that this is what it looks like in the future. And the people that vaped and got COVID, that's what you look like in the future. Yeah. Vaping is not a crime. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a crime. Bruce Willis's character smokes cigarettes in it. Bruce Willis must just smoke cigarettes. I mean, he smokes cigarettes and everything. Oh, does he? Really? Oh, yeah. He was lighting them up in Die Hard as well. That's cool. I mean, it's it, I, it's cool in the sense that it's that old kind of Hollywood uh, vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I like about it. Not that smoking is cool, kids. It's it's uh it's not. Although it does, it is hard to say that it doesn't it make you look cool. cool. Yeah, it's not cool, but it makes you look cool. And 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 they're okay with like dressing a little flamboyant. Uh, a little flamboyant. Oh, he's got to show his arms. I mean, we've started here in 1914 Egypt, but we might as well just uh, talk about Chris Tucker's character. Uh, who... Oh yeah, with the, with the fucking like Ruby Rod. Ruby Rod. The androgynous dress. <laughs> Now, this is my first time watching it uh, as well, Aaron, and I knew a few things about this movie, primary of which was that people hate Chris Tucker in this movie. I I had heard that a lot. (laughs) I didn't hate him. I didn't hate him either. Honestly, by the time he comes in and I've just given up on this movie, this movie is stupid, and why not have Chris Tucker mugging and doing all of this? And he brings a lot of energy and his outfits were over the top and, and crazy. And hair. Dude, his scream is <laughs> so hilarious. Every time he's in trouble, he's like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would wear a little thin if it was throughout the whole movie, you know? But he's not, you know, he's not Jar Jar he Binks. He's here like an hour and one minute at, at, at the movie. So he's not like, he's like towards he's the end. second act for me. Yeah, second half, second night. For uh, Aaron, <laughs> split this thing up. Also, the president was tiny in Friday, so there's a little Friday connection. Oh yeah. Now, Tiny Lister, uh, his line deliveries were awful. I don't know if Chris Tucker could have given him some of his energy, and also I don't know why Tiny Lister couldn't enunciate. It was like he was mumbling his way through it. He's the president, and this guy is a huge monster, and yet he. F- seems to deliver his lines with a lack of confidence that you would expect to find in a president. I mean, present presidents accepted, of course. This is the new world president. So, you know, he's a big, strong, imposing figure. So, you know, we want we want a hesitant legislator. Before he had taken the presidency, he was actually one of the mumble rappers. Oh, oh. he came and out of mumble how he broke in, not really... He didn't always know what he was saying, but he kind of made it sound cool. And that's what he did as a president, too. That's how his whole campaign went. And he started out on SoundCloud, got a million listens. Yeah. 
Oh, I can dig that. Went viral. But he didn't wrestle Hulk Hogan in the 80s. Chris Tucker? <laughs> no. Yeah. No, the president. <laughs> Chris Tucker got in the ring. <laughs> oh, okay. Chris Tucker was an MMA fighter. I'm just like, what the yeah. fuck? He lo- yeah, cut. You know, Jackie Chan's like, oh, you do MMA. You, I teach you grappling. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we crossed the threshold of racist impersonations <laughs> within uh, quite earlier than usual in this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about Stay it now. There's more to come. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I'm don't, Asian. Yeah, don't forget, everybody. He's half Asian. It's okay. Just uh, go ahead and delete those English. Yeah, but tweets. that was his Jewish half doing that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah that, that was true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I wish you hadn't said that. Now, now all the angry tweets are coming in again, um, which is weird how they can do it in, in well, real time. Well, at least time. we're getting tweets. I'll take some angry ones. I would love it. Give us anything. We want the attention. You give us attention. <laughs> okay. Right. I, get, I think that one was the Asian half of Jared. Yeah, I think that was the Asian half of Jared trying to do a German accent <laughs> to get the Jewish half of him. Yeah, while eating chicken feet and spreading corona. This is getting really layered. This is almost as layered as Tiny Lister's performance with his character <laughs> having c- come out of the mumblecore rap scene. So Ruby Rod, the character was inspired by Michael Jackson and Prince and both were considered for the role. Prince was their first choice. Prince is everybody's first choice. I don't even care what we're talking about. What are we choosing? Prince is number one. <laughs> Prince was uh, the first choice for Arnold Schwarzenegger's role in Total Recall. <laughs> he would have killed that role. They definitely couldn't have had that girl, that stripper, though. They would have had to upgrade her because next to Prince, yeah, she really would have looked like Carla. That's true. I would, I would actually really enjoy that movie with the Prince in the lead role. Can we do that now, or is he is he uh, booked? Let's get him and Luke Perry out there together. There we go. <laughs> They're both struggling for work these days. Their IMDb is not showing any current projects. It's weird. Maybe it's the coronavirus. Yeah, it must be. So Brooklyn, New York. So when we come out of that uh, 1914 in Egypt, now we're with Bruce. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I was into this. Again, so different from you, Aaron, I was into the first half a lot more than the second half. The second half is when I just kind of check out, except for the opera singer. Oh my god. Yeah, I liked her. The opera singer. Yeah, that was good. But I did turn against the movie when we kind of first get introduced to him, because they always are inserting this these R&B beats that are just kind of feel like out of place, like it's a TMZ music bed, and that's is really TMZ bad. didn't exist back then, okay? Yeah, okay, so this movie inspired TMZ, another strike against it in my book. You know, they're just showing how cool he was, you know, giving him a little backstory. While showing off a little bit of his back. Yeah. Right, with his stupid tank top that kind of looks like it belonged in a Right Said Fred video. It's a crop top. All right, he just got out of the military. He It was six months out of the military. He doesn't know how to dress, okay? So he's just going to dress in his civilian clothes that were popular as a teenager. You see that, Aaron? You're coming down on him for his PTSD. He has to yeah. cope the way he has to cope. I can't have him coping like that. Okay. <laughs> the cigarettes are one thing. You know how he should have coped is in Aaron's arms. You know, you I go. don't know why he's not coping without his shirt on. Uh, oh, well. I can't oh. believe we didn't get any shirtless shots. I thought Bruce. we did. Oh, uh, at the end. Oh, you can't really tell that, though. Yeah, dude. Yeah, the ending, definitely. You you, you see that back. Yeah, he's uh, naked with Mila well, Jovovich. I saw, I saw his back the whole time. 
Okay. <laughs> Just like, uh, but but through like a pair of Venetian blinds, essentially through his yeah. shirt. Yeah. It was a peekaboo number. I loved him <laughs> on the phone with what sounded like Benicio del Toro on the other end of the phone, but I love that conversation and just him in his apartment. I had a moment where I wondered if it could be Tom Waits. I, I don't think it was, but there was like a moment where I was like, that almost sounds a little like Tom Waits. Huh. You want me to get IMDb out? Oh, I got IMDb up. I didn't see anything okay. like that. And uh, it could be an uncredited voice, but I just, I, I really thought that scene was cool. And again, like the pacing was kind of slow and really just enjoying the the environment. Like, I like that. And then why does it have to then go to like stupid slapstick, Jared? <laughs> Explain yourself. Yes. <laughs> All right, because look, so you know, it just breaks up the attention. You know, it's silly, silly. Like when the but... guy tries to rob him, dude. Look at the guy; he's got that stupid, you know, outfit. You know, it brings out the humorous side. Humorous, <laughs> humorous. That I am kind of convinced that the French do not do humor very well. The oh. French, remember, are the ones who love Jerry Lewis. Okay, and any Jerry Lewis, later day Jerry Lewis. Okay, like he's held up as their like number one comic icon. This movie kind of reinforces that it's bad humor. It's dumb. And there was a certain point like, you know, I got that it was campy back in the Egypt 1914, but it was campy with some really almost adult material. Again, just the entrance of that spaceship. I loved. But then when they do this shit, like you're talking about with this this uh, guy who's holding him up and then Bruce Willis, of course, is holding the gun sideways. So fucking 90s. And I hated it's like I kept turning back and forth on this movie and that was one of the scenes where I don't know Aaron how you felt about that mugging but I, I was at that point I was like oh this is dumb this is bad what is going on well I know Bruce and Bruce has to have a couple scenes like that in every movie so for all we know that wasn't even the French that brought that in there that could have been New Jersey saying I want to have this scene where someone tries to mob me with a gun but I overpower him and he steals his gun it's not yeah. about that. It's about the over-the-top performance by the mugger. Oh, the mugger, He's, on, he's yeah. on virtual crack. Well, yeah, no, I assumed he was a meth head. It's so stupid. Oh, and then, you know, he doesn't know how to use the gun. And, oh, it's just so bad, man. Oh, ugh. Well, the thing, the thing is, too, is that when this movie was made, white people hadn't start, started getting addicted to the drugs in a serious way yet. Really? Yeah, this is before <laughs> the opioid crisis. Yeah, this was, they didn't really know how to impersonate that. Yeah, okay, I guess you're right because in the 80s, the cocaine 80s, it was an addiction. It was just indulgence and it was fun. Yeah, it was. No. It was just, you know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Let it snow. But then they will say, so I turned against the movie personally at, at that and it sounds like you're in agreement with me at least on that performance of the stick-up scene. That's when you started judging the movie? Uh, yeah, dude, it just shows how tough he is. I kept kind of going back and forth. The, the R&B beats when we first go to Bruce Willis kind of had me against it. And then it turned around with the phone call, which I kind of liked, whoever that is he's talking to. Then we get the stick-up scene. Okay, dumb. And then um, we get this space battle that seems to be a Star Wars homage. I mean, and then, of course, the, any of the chase scenes where he's in the cab uh, seem to be like a Star Wars homage. Uh, it's 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 fine. I could still be with that if the attempts at humor were so stupid. Again, 
a fainting, like a pratfall of a faint. When the hey man, As someone who does pratfalls, I appreciate it. Your pratfalls are much more yeah, my interesting. I, when Cherry gets up on stage, it's a countdown timer in my head to how long it's going to be before he is writhing on the floor. No matter how disgusting that floor is, at Tribal Cafe, for example, in LA, yeah. Yeah, well, why do you think Jared didn't get COVID? Exactly. <laughs> right, Building yeah. up his immune system. I have the antibodies. <laughs> but then, so, okay, so those are some complaints. But now here's uh, something that I really liked. I don't know how you felt about this, Aaron, but when Mila Jovovich, who is recreated from, I don't know, some remnant of whatever, I don't, the, the whole mythology of this thing is is kind of dumb, but okay. They but reconstructed she's, with her DNA. Re- reconstruction, resurrection, because she's clearly the Christ allegory in this movie. So she escapes, and then we've been in this future New York, but I love how they introduce the real landscape of it, because we've been here, and we haven't seen outside, and it's when she escapes, and then we get the shot of her outside on the ledge, and that is great. That is cool. It looked beautiful. Yeah, it was a cool scene. She's looking fantastic. Probably the oh best. Oh my god. <laughs> Jared. Yo, all right, yo, I couldn't get boners at the time, but my little boy penis was like, I think I, I should be excited when I see her. <laughs> I think we found the root of Jared's affection for this movie. Oh, yeah, right, because you were only seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I feel attraction. Totally understandable. She is, she looks great in this, even though she's got that weird makeup like over her eyebrows, right? So she's looking eyebrowless. No, you know, I think that was the Spice Girls influence. No, I like the Spice Girls. My favorite (laughs) was Posh. Girl brands. (laughs) Not everything in the 90s was great. (laughs) Well, she had orange hair too. So like somebody, I mean, a lot of times they have those orange brows too. Like blondies, sometimes you can't even see their brows. Uh, another thing that I saw when researching this is that uh, they had originally just been dyeing her hair, but at a certain point, because they had to constantly re- keep dyeing it again to maintain the color, that it kind of destroyed her hair. And so at a certain point, they switched then to a wig. So I don't know, Jerry, if you want to go back through and study and see how you can figure out when it's her real hair and when it's a wig, that might be just an excuse for you, just like me going back through Showgirls. <laughs> like, we got my my movie, <laughs> my sexual awakening movie, although I only saw it for the first time recently, Showgirls, and then Jared's is uh, Fifth Element. Fifth Element, yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's French. That's what they do. I don't know. Like, you know, like when they see her get reconstructed, they're like, whoa, look at her. And then they start passing out and stuff. Oh, yeah. And all the times we're going to turn our back, the the priest. And again, we understand that the priest would turn his back. It's, it's, not, it's not like it's a pre-adolescent boy. So He's old, you know, and his, and his thing was working and, you know. Was it? Yeah. Do we have confirmation of that? Yeah. Uh, IMDb says. Did you, did you do video. some fan fiction? <laughs> did you write some fan yeah. fiction back in the 90s? if I... <laughs> if I put it in my mind that that's Luke Perry. <laughs> okay. Oh, so uh, and and of course, which he <laughs> Ian Holm as Luke Perry older is even better for Aaron, whose sexual awakening came from Matlock. So we all know <laughs> that the priest Aaron can't wait till Bruce Willis is in his eighties. That's when he's gonna be super hot. I'll either have him walk around shirtless or make him wear the old Matlock suits. <laughs> oh, you have them. You you have them in storage. 
<laughs> I go to a state's house. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so at about this point, then we get introduced to uh, Zorg. Gary Oldman as Zorg was reminding me a lot of Drexel from True Romance. I don't know about you guys. Oh, yeah. He was great. And I liked his look. Menacing in a in a weird, unsettling way. I liked it. Yeah. A creepy bad guy, you know. He's got that weird plastic shell around his head. Yeah, he's got the kind of eyes that can go either way. It's what you put around, like, what they did with his hair and that plastic thing. Yes. The hair was really standing out to me. I'm not sure if they were going for kind of a Nazi look. Is that, like, kind of like a Nazi-esque? Am I wrong? No, uh, you're not wrong. I could see it. It was a little Phil and Lil from the Rugrats for me. Or brown boot. Yeah, I, I, so I liked him a lot. And then I was kind of, again, I kept going in waves with this movie. I, I'm, I'm in it. I'm out of it. I'm kind of back in it again. And then I'm out of it, probably for good, after <laughs> Oldman gives his speech about destruction and then he chokes on the cherry in his drink and it's slapstick comedy again. Fuck you like who is this movie for i thought it was going for more of an adult star wars right we're gonna have yeah. this really hot woman okay I, I know you got princess leia in the gold with job of the hut and that was kind of sexy but like star wars is really devoid of sex this movie has sex in it right that's a, again yeah. that's a credit to the french they're gonna do that love that god bless them but they love to do the slapstick comedy stuff. like who is it for so then it's like oh no it's for kids like this is like a, a kids movie but no it's not a kids movie because it's got all the sex of course with uh, ruby rod and then him bringing these women to climax apparently just by like getting close to them and breathing on them which was kind of fun the women gorgeous yeah i like that scene in the takeoff actually mila jovovich gets shown up by uh, a lot of those stewardesses those stewardesses were beyond beautiful yeah but mila jovovich i can't buy chris tucker or ruby rod being this sex symbol in addition to what his personality was that we were seeing. Yeah, it was very confusing. It was too conflicting. Yeah, I think he was supposed to be gender fluid, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I'm, I'm not disputing gender fluidity, but I'm saying that he was... Just the way that he was such a pompous dickhead. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, glad you're not uh, coming down on gender fluidity because we already waded into that quagmire back in Tiger King. <laughs> Let's get in there. <laughs> oh, you think he's an asshole? Well, he's like, um, like a little whiny bitch. <laughs> but he's a he's a star and what i kind of liked about this and this is back in 1995 this is another thing that i will give it a point in its favor is that his whole show is kind of like a non-stop sort of reality show or like a it really like an internet show right he's famous yeah. but and it's a hugely watched program i couldn't tell if it was solely on the ship right flossed in yeah. paradise or something it don't really confused. explain that part yeah it doesn't matter but but i did kind of like that that it's it when he's on it's just like kind of following him throughout it's almost like again like almost like an instagram uh live feed or whatever yeah. you know so that was kind of prescient and that was that was interesting and he is this huge star his his attire is crazy and over the top i liked chris tucker in he's this. a celebrity in it yeah 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 i didn't dislike him and then him screaming while they're getting shot and stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I just couldn't buy him being the, the Casanova like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would agree. I was I was very confused because I'm like, well, they're certainly going for like a flamboyant, over the top persona. But I did appreciate it. I liked it. That, but then again, like the stupid slapstick where he has the what is the um I can't remember what's going on at the time, but there's the switch cutting between him with this woman, and then I guess it's the takeoff, right? It's the takeoff yeah. of the ship, and you see her legs out this is like childish humor but certainly with adult themes so but who's enjoying this jared are you enjoying that i mean (laughs) i I was super baked when i was watching it and reliving moments of my childhood so i enjoyed it actually i just thought of something you watched this when you were seven okay it's pg-13 i I guess because it's not well i saw my friend's mom my friend's mom took us oh what'd she look like uh, she was an uh, immigrant from the great land of India. <laughs> oh, that could be hot. DB likes those. That could go either yeah. way. Was it hot or not? <laughs> well, she you know, she already had given birth to two children, my friend being the youngest son. That doesn't... Is she willing to have surgery? That, yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean... I mean, women women That's have true. children and then uh, snap back. <laughs> snap back. There you go. She doing her kegels? Sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to get all gross about your friend's mom. <laughs> hey, go for it. Tell her to call me. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this show. It's a, it's a pretty good bet that he doesn't. Most people don't. Oh, I bet you he so. doesn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got a doctorate. <laughs> Jared burned that bridge a long time ago. <laughs> but the hope is that the mom is listening. Yes. And if yeah. you are, DB's interested. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So this comedy, this time you were baked. Probably when you were a kid, you enjoyed it. Although, I don't know. It's oh, seven I, years. I, I did enjoy it. I didn't realize there was humor in it, though. I, I When I was watching it, I, I, I was taking the serious parts in. Yeah. The action parts. There's still no humor in it, though, Jared. It's just the attempt yeah. at humor that we're pointing out. It's really Well, I didn't understand dumb. that they were trying to be funny when I saw it as a kid. Right. When I saw it in the movie theater. So... Do you guys really follow like what's going on? I was kind of following it, I guess, you know, so there's the he won this contest. He didn't actually win it, but it's this undercover project. He actually, in my mind, murdered three people back in his apartment by putting them into the freezer. And that's played for laughs. They're back alive at the end, but they're clearly frozen stiff and dead like the guy in Goodfellas <laughs> gets put in the meat truck. Like that's how frozen stiff they were. You can do that in the future. I get oh, okay, that's one of the things the we future. get to look forward to. And the French think it's funny. <laughs> and the French think it's funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> um that's my French laugh. It's very good. <laughs> I can do that. I have some French in me. I can shit on the French all day. I that's actually one of the things that I had Same. written down here is that uh this is the worst thing the French have done since surrendering to the Nazis in June of nineteen forty. <laughs> so uh Jared, I still nonplus that you're defending this piece of shit. So <laughs> <laughs> but we'll continue. Hey, hey, I'm not saying it's perfect, you know. But when they saw that woman, he's like, "Yo, I don't want to date her." And then, and then Lilu comes in, and then he's like, "Yo, all right, Lilu, we're gonna go in. We're gonna take this mission." Yes, and then of course she's the uh, fish out of water. She's discovering, I guess, language. She's able to look at print and then make she's the phonetic being. sounds that are associated with it. We don't have to get into language theory, but that's not how it works. But let's talk about the opera. Well, her language, though, was a big part of what was so annoying for the first half for me. Oh, really? Okay. Because when the movie first opened, I love what's going on with the guy trying to solve the hieroglyphics. I was all into that. Okay. 
Then we get this bitch that's talking this weird ass language. <laughs> but everybody's still speaking to her in English. Careful how you refer to her as bitch. Jared's on the line here too. He knows what I mean when I say it. Oh, I, I, I totally get it. <laughs> it was worse than Eleven in Stranger Things. Oh, oh, uh, oh, no, I disagree with that. Oh, no, no, no. For me, it was killing. Well, for one thing, just being able to look at Mila Jovovich uh, gives it, puts it way over the top for Stranger Things. That but the second is that this is apparently an actual language that she and the director, Luc Besson, developed. Like, they created a language, sort of how twins can do this. Twins are known to just uh, create uh, their own personal languages. They actually created this thing and spent months sort of uh, working it out. They were the only two that could speak it and they could speak it to each other on set. So this is, there is some sort of meaning in whatever she's saying. And it's actually kind of cool that the scene where she meets uh, Bruce Willis and starts speaking in this language, Bruce Willis had no idea, apparently, that she was going to be speaking. She didn't, he he didn't know what her lines were going to be. And so she just starts speaking like this and they just capture his natural reaction <laughs> to her. Yeah, my, my favorite line. Yo, I only speak two languages, bad English and good English. Yeah, I, that's, <laughs> I don't know. Could have done without that. <laughs> yeah, one. I could have done. Thank you, Aaron. Yes, <laughs> oh. that, that's your, that says it all about this movie, folks. That's the best line to come out of this movie. So there you go. It's a not recommend from all three well, that, of us. His element is love, and then they start fucking. <laughs> So here's a question. Was Mila fucking the director before the movie started or they started fucking while the movie was being shot? They got married. I think they were dating during the filming. That's why the secret language was happening. Got it. Yeah. I have different information, which I I thought would be a perfect segue uh, to the opera singer, which is the opera singer. The woman playing the opera singer was his fiance at the time. Ooh, that's interesting. French. And uh, <laughs> she is beautiful. Uh, you she can even... is amazing. Yeah. Now, she doesn't actually sing that. She li- She's lip syncing the opera. Oh, she ain't shit then for me. Well, <laughs> yeah, fuck her. <laughs> glad she got shot. <laughs> I was glad that she got shot because I was really put out. I mean, I thought it was beautiful. And then at the end, it turns into, again, an R&B remix with the opera. And I was like, oh, God, please shoot her. Like, the, the, she deserves to die. It is. It's not great. But for an action scene, I. I don't hate that that's what they did with the opera song kind of mashed it up while they have there there's fighting going on it's like it's kind yeah. of chaotic i didn't hate that Ugh. it worked with the gunshots you know uh, they wanted to look cool when she's singing i thought that was that was cool that it, it slows the movie down and it was really sort of breathtaking and that's another scene actually that i uh, saw when reading up on this is that Bruce Willis didn't see her before she came out on stage. So when she first appears, they capture Bruce Willis's genuine reactions to first seeing her. Because her getup is pretty, pretty amazing. It's cool. Sounds like they really wanted to pull everything over Bruce Willis's <laughs> eyes. <laughs> it's like Bowfinger. Bruce Willis didn't know that he was actually in this movie. <laughs> He didn't realize huh? <laughs> that he was wearing that orange shirt. Oh, oh my yeah. god! That's they, how he lost that's his hair. Something they did in the edit. He's not actually even wearing that shirt. He was shirtless the whole time. They added it. Oh, criminal! 
to cover up those pecs <laughs> from Aaron. He would never agree to that bullshit. <laughs> you didn't like his, well, you got, you got to see his arms, right? Yeah, he's in a tank top. He's in a tank top. Wearing tight clothes. In a tank top that I do not like on him. Next time, Bruce is going to run it by you before his next Die Hard movie. And actually, now that we're going to bring up Spice Girls too, he's wearing that crop top with those like cargo kind of pants. He did look like a Spice Girl. I think you're right. The Spice Girls heavily influenced this movie. I'm telling you, they, they influence Europe. He's Sporty Spice. 1994, were the Spice Girls a thing? I think they were late 90s. Yeah. No, it was early. It was like mid 90s. Well, but I mean, this would have been shooting at least in like 94, 93, 94. Like, this is yeah. a lot of work in this movie. I don't know. I don't think so. I think. They started in England. They started like 93. You know, when you were listening to good grunge music, my mom was <laughs> listening to shitty Spice Girls. And, you know, I remember looking at them awkwardly thinking, what am, I'm supposed to feel something here. Yeah, no, I think Jared's right, because it would have taken them some time before they crossed over to America where we would know about them. I guess back So they then. probably were big over in Europe. Yeah. All right. Which one was your favorite? Uh, sporty. Whoa. Sporty? No one ever says sporty. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Baby was good too, but Baby, oh, she was my uh, second least favorite. Okay. I mean, when I was younger, when they were, you know, in high school, it was posh, and uh, but later it turned, of course, to Scary Spice because that's more my flavor. I there was always go. scary. And then I think it would be Jerry, right? Jerry the redhead? Ginger. Although, no, she was kind of torn toward the bottom. It was just posh and scary, and then the rest were all clustered down at the bottom. <laughs> they, couldn't, they weren't really doing it for me. I wasn't a huge Spice Girls fan either. I kind of liked them. I liked looking at them. I think they kind of had some poppy, fun songs. The Spice Up Your Life song, that's really great. I think it's a great pop song. So I will defend Jared will defend Fifth Element. I will defend the Spice Girls. Well, I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> it's, that's a bold statement after you've been dogging Jared for I know. this movie. This totally discredits me. I'm going to cut that out. No one will I'm going to have it. to listen to Spice Up Your Life because I actually can't even think of how that song goes. I like their Two Become One song. You're really trying to lure me in to start singing it. I will not do that. I Because I know <laughs> this. I know the... the the melody, I know the lyrics, of course I do. But I, mean, I always liked uh, Spice Up Your Life because I always thought about Spice Up Your Nose speaking of cocaine. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, that's what it probably was about. Okay, they were all doing blow. COVID-19 lockdown. Got to do something to get through the day. How else? I got to get these dishes done. Yeah, oh, <laughs> this house has never been cleaner. I'm loving it. <laughs> I, I wrote this down at the opera scene because this is where we're getting the plot elements really coming together. Even though I had written down here as well that this movie, and Aaron, I think you'll agree with this, is that the alternate title to this movie could have been The NeverEnding Story, although that would have been a little misleading because it would have implied that there was something such as a cohesive story to be uh, told in this uh, pile of shit. But because spaceships like, and like stones coming out of opera singers and stuff yeah, like Yeah, stones that. coming out of twist. opera singers. Had no idea why they, this, whatever secret was with this opera singer the diva i didn't follow that here there was kind of like comparing it to doesn't the matter just looks cool oh no i give it that <laughs> again like i will say it looked beautiful throughout but all this twisting and turning so like it's like total recall where you always have these these surprises and twists but they don't really hit as well because we're constantly jumping around to these different story threads and 
it just doesn't feel like the twists and the turns hit because you're sort of all over the place. It's confusing. You don't really kind of understand necessarily, again, maybe it's just because I'm an idiot, like how these turns are supposed to be landing. Unlike Total Recall, because Total Recall, you're with Schwarzenegger the entire time right so whenever anything happens you're like him you're like surprised but you're but here it's because you have all these other different threads that it's not landing that was just one thing that i f- was when i was thinking about why isn't this working but bruce willis knows he's an action hero okay he's not questioning if it's a dream or not so he's gonna do like and the french are like that's what the americans do we want a guy who goes boom they're like all right yeah boom boom lizards Good point. Good counterpoint. (laughs) I I thought the movie felt like the guy that wrote it was all gung-ho when he started out doing it. He had all these different places he was going with it. And then his hands started getting tired and he was getting tired of writing. So he just really quickly had to wrap it all up at the end. Because once we got to where they're putting the stones in and and laying her down in the center and stuff... After the way they started the movie, that's the first scene. All of this is happening. And now it was just over in like a split second. Oh, they just figure out how to. I thought there should have been more time about them trying to solve whatever puzzle to get the stones working. Oh, my God. I could not disagree. Maybe cut out some of the other shit to get there faster. So that that was the time crunch. Not like we have 20 minutes to figure this shit out. Can we do it? After you get the one guy that's drawn on the wall for like seven hours. <laughs> oh my god, uh, I could not disagree with you more. When they put on that that uh, bomber with a ten minute timer, I was like, please let this be the actual countdown timer to the end of the movie. I did not want anything more from this movie. I, I <laughs> wanted it to be over, and thank God I don't want any more uh, backstory about what these these things mean. And you mentioned uh, whoever wrote this. Interestingly enough, the director wrote this, Luke Besson. And he started writing it when he was 16 years old. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. French people always shit on our, our action movies and stuff, but they secretly love them so much. So they're like, when he was directing it, he's like, yo, all right. What movies do I like? Lethal Weapon. Uh, Die Hard. All right. What makes them good? Bum, 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 bum. Bomb. Explosion. Yeah. But you know what? I'm going to make it humorous because the villain's going to be like a fashion guy. And then he's going to have like a heat seeking weapon. And it's going to like shoot the lizards. There's going to be conflict between the bad guys. Lizards are going to come in and get me in the cruiser spaceship. (laughs) Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Tits. Boom. I would agree with you that I think that they uh, are secretly envious of these action movies. And again, to me, I don't even understand why. Because action movies like 80s and 90s were really dumb to me you love those movies i could tell i mean i also so professional this action it's all just like kind of like uh looking around kind of wanting to check the time but i don't do that because i want to be immersed in in whatever i'm watching but it's just like my mind starts drifting whenever they get into like these long drawn out action scenes like who can follow it or who cares it's like whenever there's no no more dialogue most of the time it kind of feels dumb but they figured out the the formula i think with those mission impossible movies maybe some of the later james bond movies too I mean, I don't think Bruce Willis was a producer and can, you know, fly a helicopter. So here's something, though, with this happy ending and they save everyone. And then we have the shot of uh, President Debo, who he has to pour the champagne. He's the president. 
I thought that was kind of odd. What does he have to do the dishes too? It's the French way. Oh, yeah, the French are pretty. Actually, they're they're not as bad as the Spanish. Spanish throw uh, bananas at black soccer players. That's true. Nah, and uh, Russians. Oh yeah, Russians. Wow. Oh, Russians too. All Italians. Oh, Italians. Oh, that makes yeah, me sad. That's like what Italian. happened to Mario Balotelli. Mario Balotelli is playing in his hometown because when he was playing in the. Uh, never mind. I, Okay. <laughs> yeah. <we're, laughs> let's not have a big digression into soccer. <laughs> last last yeah, time yeah, we like, went into a big uh, digression about cars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's let's not get into Serie A or Ligue 1. I would be remiss if I neglected to point out a couple of things. Uh, this one might upset you, Aaron. Um, Try me. <laughs> Bruce Willis plays Corbin Dallas. Also considered for this role, Mel Gibson. Whoa. That might upset me. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about Mel Gibson. He has not come up yet on this show. I know how Jared feels about him. He's Jewish. Here's the thing. Do I love that his name was Corbin? No, I don't. Actually, I know how Mel Gibson feels about Jared. Half of him, anyway. I don't like that name. I feel like he don't like the other half, either. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, he doesn't care for it. Especially during COVID. He tolerates the other half, but he doesn't like it. Right now, he hates that half more than your Jewish (laughs) half, sugar tits. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) His latest work demonstrates that. Mel Gibson is of the Arnold Schwarzenegger variety in that I never looked at them and found them to be sexually attractive. According to the one movie, he knows what women want. Yeah. They want a hot tub. Another woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so that didn't garner as much of a retaliatory response as I might have otherwise expected it to. But um, how about... Why, Millie- what did you think I was going to do? Oh, I thought you were going to be very upset over the suggestion of Mel Gibson replacing Bruce Willis. Well, he didn't, though. And <laughs> thank God, because if not, there were going to be some angry letters being written later tonight. Right. If, if Mel Gibson, if we were reviewing this movie and Mel Gibson had gotten the part and they're like, oh, by the way, also considered for this role was Bruce Willis. Then I'd have had a real problem with it. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to look for some movies that Bruce Willis was considered for. <laughs> <laughs> And I won't tell you until after we watched it and see how it sways your opinion. <laughs> in nineteen ninety four, ninety five, Mel Gibson had an I mean, I don't know, maybe he had gotten one DUI at this point, but we didn't know about it yet anyway. And we didn't That's know true. that he was, you know, hating the Jews and all of that. So <laughs> Yeah, we wouldn't know then until the early two thousands with the Passion of the Christ. Yeah. Mila Jovovich. She beat out over 3,000 actresses who auditioned for the part, including Julia Roberts. Ah. Thank God they did not go with Julia Roberts. I hate Julia Roberts as this. Yeah. Yeah. She's not good. She's awful in the Ocean's Eleven movies. I can't stand her. I don't well, know why George Clooney would be so No one's upset. good in the Ocean Eleven's movie. Oh, <laughs> oh that's, those are fighting words right there. Of course. I think everybody's great in that except for... Uh, Julia Roberts, she's so icy, cold, and distant. Like, why does George Clooney want her? I mean, he's George Clooney. He can get uh, supermodels. And my mom, I suppose. Because of the fifth element. Also up for this role, band cast favorite, Elizabeth Berkeley. Oh, <laughs> no. oh is she 
Oh, oh she didn't do Showgirls, uh, and she did this movie. How would you feel? Oh, I would be. Well, I wouldn't know what I had missed because you know she wouldn't have been in Showgirls, this masterpiece. But uh, studios were reluctant to hire her after Showgirls. So again, she's not for Bruce. She's not for Bruce. <laughs> okay. She may be for your Twin Peaks guy, but she's not for my Bruce. My Twin Peaks guy being Special Agent Dale Cooper. Thank you very much. <laughs> Make sure you write that down. Get it right in the future. You guys have any uh, other notes? No, it's a swinging good time. <laughs> I'll wait for the grading to go through the my final thoughts on it. I, I I didn't understand it, but I thought it was cool when when the fifth element was love and they start making out, and in the last scene they're like fucking in a tank. Nobody could predict Uber would take over taxi cab, so you know that's no one's fault. Yeah. And if he has PTSD. <laughs> Why is he doing this stressful taxi cab job? Oh, because part of PTSD is uh, wanting to relive the trauma. She yeah. got him a therapy animal. He, the cat. He had a cat? Yeah, he had a cat. Oh, yeah, he I did have a cat, cat in the beginning. Oh, well, I like this movie even less now. I'm not a fan of cats. I know. I didn't like to see him with a cat either. I thought when I move in there, that cat's going. Oh, <laughs> he's got some cute. He's got it's, uh, nice. Jared, you want a new cat? <laughs> There you go, I'll take. All right, guys, then let's move on to our grades. Hmm, who should go first? I think we'll let Jared go first, and then Aaron and I can shit on it. Jared, <laughs> tell us why you like this stupid movie. I'm giving it an A. Maybe it's nostalgia. I don't know. I, 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 I had a blast watching it. I mean, you know, here's the thing. All right, so yeah, the plot didn't make a lot of sense. So what? Who cares? You just want to see things blow up. And then the slapstick's just like, it's just, I like the silliness. And it looks great. I mean, look, Jokovic. Yes. Woo. Yeah. Okay. And Jared's sexual awakening with Mila Jovovich is uh, is crucial to this A rating. Yeah, it is definitely that that look. So there's an A coming from Jared. Jared. For me, the movie was just okay. Uh, all of the things that you mentioned about how it looks, all of this. That was all great. It's not really what I look for when I'm watching a movie. I really like a good story that ties itself up at the end. And I really don't love how this one started out like it was going to be. There was going to be something unearthed for us. And then we were going to understand. But I never understood what the fuck these stones were. Why they protected against evil. So I'm going to give this one a C-. minus. Fair enough. Yes, I would agree with a lot of what you were saying. For me, this movie looks great. And that's kind of the only thing that I can give it because it was up and down for the first 20 or so minutes where I wanted to like it. I wanted to be engrossed in this because it looks so good. Again, I feel like the scenes in Egypt were really pulling me in, and then they were being ruined by this stupid slapstick comedy, even with the Egyptologist who's turning around to see the aliens and, you know, this dumb comedy. But I was still hoping that it would be good, and it just wanted to punch me in the face every time I wanted to uh, to like it. It looks good. There's some cool special effects. The fifth element is love. Yeah. Well, no love for this movie, however. I'm giving this one a D because there's <laughs> no way I would recommend this to any for anybody to watch. 
and it's like a cartoon. I would never watch it again. <laughs> yeah, but no, but cartoons are funny. Simpsons funny. Looney Tunes funny. This is not funny. This is just dumb. This is like grating, and uh, it's a shame because it looks so good. And I think that actually makes me angrier because it should have been so much better. But um, yeah, like I would never watch this again. I would never recommend this to anybody to watch. And um, I unfortunately bought this stupid one too. But you know what? The reason why I bought it was because it was $1 more to buy it than to rent it. And uh, I'm still going to never live this one down. I don't even know how to get it off my Amazon library. <laughs> I know someone who would take it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. How can you transfer? I don't think you can. I have one last question, though, too. I should have brought this up before we did our grades. In the beginning, why was the priest trying to kill this dude? He's trying to poison him? Oh, because he doesn't want him to discover the secret, I figured. It was kind of like uh, Indiana Jones yeah. and the Last Crusade, the people that protect the secret. Those aliens were teaching them about, you know, to keep it a secret. So he's just following orders. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was in league with the aliens. That's right. You remember that, Aaron? I did remember that. I just was, he was in league with the aliens. Well, you're one step ahead of me because I didn't remember to protect, it. <laughs> to protect this secret. And honestly. Don't worry, I got you guys now covered. everybody knows about it. It's not a secret anymore. You got Chris Tucker lugging around these fucking precious stones. Wait, Chris Tucker is? He was the one that he was like, protect these with your life. Oh, fuck. I don't remember. <laughs> Whatever. <Yeah. laughs> We've already, I've already spent too much time thinking about this stupid movie. <laughs> All <Fair> right. <laughs> well, guys, let's uh, call that a wrap. It is an A, a C minus, and a D. So there you go. Wide range. But that'll wrap up our Space Jam double feature here on Bandcast. And if you want to know what our next double feature is, well, just head on over to at Bandcast on Twitter to find out. We'll let you know. You probably don't care. I wouldn't blame you. And then uh, you want to find out more about the show or any of the other shows, head on over to Bandcast.com. Send us emails to Bandcast at gmail.com and we will see you all next time. Don't be funny like the French or you'll upset DB. <laughs> Yeah, tits, boom!